welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why in how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me again today. Today, we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about my show, Life or Debt, one more time. Might not be the last time, but let's go for it anyway. Life or debt. If you have not seen my show on Spike TV, we did one season, and the format of the show is basically I spend a whole week with a family who is financially struggling. My job is to go in there, fix the mess, turn them around, and then come back in 90 days to see how they're doing. Now, you can have access to this video series, or I guess this one season, whether it's on Amazon, Hulu, and might be some other places you can get it. But check out Amazon, life or debt, and then leave a rating. Anyway, so let's talk about life or debt, but there's something I want to talk to you about that's even more personal than the show. And it's gonna, I'm going to tie it back into sales, but I'm also going to tie it back to your personal income. Now, again, the format of the show was, you know, these families are struggling financially. We had it all. You have to see the season. The season is mind-blowing. And my, the, step, the first step was always to assess the mess. Step one, assess the mess. How bad is it? How much debt do they have? You know, and then really try to understand what drove them to this point. You know, what happened? Step number two is to raise their financial IQ. In other words, raise their awareness about money. You'd be amazed how many people don't even know how much interest they're paying on their own credit cards or on different types of debts that they may have. So step number two was to raise their awareness of how bad the situation is. Now, when you raise somebody's awareness, you're also creating a sense of urgency like things need to change. So part of that process was getting them to feel that sense of urgency And you have to check out the show to see some of the things I did to them to make them feel the pain of urgency. And once they feel that pain of urgency, they're ready to make the change. And so then step number three was I I would give them tools like software or resources. For example, one family was going through bankruptcy, so we got them a a bankruptcy lawyer. Uh, Some other families needed some other legal issues they had to deal with, again, that have to do with finances, and we helped them out there as well by giving them the proper resources. Then step number four is right before I leave, after five days, I give them a 90-day roadmap. Now, this is a roadmap that all they have to do is follow, and once they come out the other side of that 90 days, they should be okay if they follow the roadmap, the blueprint. So that's the structure of the show. Now, what's interesting is that when I was in there talking to the families, one of the questions I often get is, Victor, so you know, how did they get in so much debt? Now, this could be a longer conversation and another podcast, but bottom line is, let me keep it simple, they spent more than what they were making, bringing in. That's an obvious one. They were spending more than they were bringing in. Why they did it, the reasons varied. Some were legitimate, some were not legitimate. For example, one family, uh, the wife was spending all kinds of money on shoes. The husband was spending all kinds of money, let's say, on sports memorabilia. So there were all these reasons, but there were also good reasons. For example, they moved into a better neighborhood because they wanted their kids to attend a better school, but one of them one of the parents lost their job, which is, you know, that put them in a financial hole because they were living off of both incomes. So anyway, set that aside. One of the things I look at is now two things, right? When you're working with a couple, a family, there's only two levers, or if you're from across the pond, two levers, right? There's only two levers that you can work with, and that is to reduce the cost or increase their income. Now, let's talk about cutting costs. 
Now, what's interesting is that it's easy to go in there and cut costs. I'm sure if you think about your costs, your expenditures, your expenses, you can probably find places to cut costs, right? But eventually, you get to the point where you hit the bone. You know what I mean? You can't cut any more meat off that bone. And you just have to have a basic, you know, minimum survival, you know, level of finances, right? So in other words, you just can't cut anymore. So what was interesting is that it's easy to cut costs, and that's what most people think about. But what was fascinating is many of these families never thought about the other side of the equation, which is how do you increase their income? Now, think about this. They knew how to cut costs, but when I asked them, how could you increase your income, they had not really given it that much thought. So one of the things we did with a lot of the families is we went into their garage and see what we can sell. We went to their closets also. We just tried to find things around the house that we could sell. And then I would challenge them within 24 hours, they had to raise, let's say, $1,000 based on things they had to sell, right? So it was really fascinating because they realized once they did that, that they could generate revenue. But again, you only have so many closets and you have only so many garages, in most cases, just one. So that's another way of raising revenue. But then I really pushed a couple of these families. One family in particular, the Martinez family, I told the husband and the wife that they were both underpaid and they both needed to quit their jobs. Yes, I told them that. And I said, you're going to get a job that's going to pay you more. You're not making enough money. And they were deathly afraid. I mean, they were afraid. I think, by the way, this is episode number two, I believe. And they were afraid, but they pulled it off, right? Now, we did set them up. We took them to go see a headhunter. We redid their resume. You know, we really helped them out. But what was interesting is they both made more money after the fact, after they got their jobs. Now, they didn't get it within the first five days. I think the wife... Uh, maybe got the second job a month afterwards. And I think the husband got it two months after we left. So by the time we came after the third month, after 90 days, they both had new jobs and they were both making more money. Why am I saying this? Because sometimes we think, because I tried to analyze this, why didn't they think of this themselves? Isn't that an obvious one? Why don't you try to make more money? And I asked myself, why did they undervalue their services? Why did they undervalue their skill sets? And maybe it's because they needed somebody from the outside to tell them, hey, you're not making enough money. You need to be making more money, which begs the question, why couldn't they see it themselves? See, they saw themselves as only, uh, you know, an earning ability up to a certain point. In other words, they didn't see themselves making more money. They undervalued the skill sets they have. So my question to you as you listen to this podcast, are you getting paid what you're worth? Are you getting paid what you're worth? And again, I, I know that's a simple question, but sometimes that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a limiter. In other words, we think, you know, yeah, you know, I'm making good money and, you know, I think I'm happy where I'm at. The question is, could you be making more? Could you be making more? In other words, look, I was raised in the hood, right? My father at the time was making $17,000. And, you know, I mean, at that, when I graduated from college, I was making $30,000 a year. And I thought I was rich at $30,000 a year, right? I never imagined that I could be at a place where I am today, make as much money as I make. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that even for me, it was hard to conceive of being able to make so much money. And I'm asking you is, are you really 
you know, fulfilling your financial potential? Or are you like these families saying you're content and complacent? Well, I think that's what I deserve. That, that, I think that's what I should be making. And I'm asking you to really think about this. Is it possible? Is it possible that with your skill sets, you should be making more money? Is it possible with your skill sets that maybe you should really take a look at your finances, your numbers, what you're making, and then maybe go check out in the market if you're working for somebody, if you can actually get a better job to make more money? You should also ask yourself, if you're an entrepreneur or a business person, you know, am I pushing myself to generate more revenue? In other words, I can cut costs, but am I pushing myself to generate more revenue? So my question to you is, are you fulfilling your financial potential? Are you really going after or making as much money as you should? I'm telling you, you need to think about it because sometimes we're in our own heads, in our own box, and we don't think about these things. So again, open your eyes, ask yourself the question over the next week, am I making what I should be making or should I be making more? And maybe ask someone that you trust for advice and maybe they'll give you a third party perspective. And that is it for this Sales Influence Podcast. Don't forget to leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. Let me know what you think. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, check out my online sales training platform, the Sales Velocity Academy. Over 40 courses, 400 plus videos, my 13 books. And if you're serious about increasing your sales velocity, go to salesvelocityacademy.com. Lastly, I want to thank you. This is Victor Antonio, always reminding you, selling ain't hard when you know how. Take care. Hi, I'm Victor Antonio. I'm an author, sales trainer, and keynote speaker. I'm often asked, what makes a great speaker? Is it someone who delivers real content that the audience can use? Is it someone who engages the audience so they're part of the learning experience? Or is it someone who can motivate an audience to push them beyond their comfort zone and discover new abilities? The answer is yes. But the most important thing to remember is that I'm not there to look good. I'm there to make my client look good. Simply put, it's never about me and it's always about them.